to the Making Awesome Podcast, episode 172, where we're going to be talking all about, you know, the thing that none of us have problems with. None of us have problems with just saying yes to everything. And while this isn't a dress and you don't have to say yes to it, it is important that not only do we learn to say yes, but we also learn to say no. I think, quite frankly, it is more important to learn how to say no, when to say no, why to say no, and how to properly communicate that no to your potential client. Because if you don't do it right, you're going to have a bad time. And yes, as the Nocturna says, I'm starting it by calling everybody out. Because honestly, I'm in this list too. 100% I'm in this list. And part of my year for 24 is say no more often. Because we get projects that just legitimately we should not be doing. Straight up, we shouldn't be doing them. And I've had a tendency to just take all the projects because I'd rather us be busy than not busy. But I often find out that I come to regret that and say, well, I'd much rather be not busy than busy with this. So we're going to be covering some topics today. uh, Things like uh, why saying no sometimes for new projects is good. When to say no versus yes. How to find the right projects overworking as a cause of not saying no, and why it is important to say no for newbies to 3D printing. I do want to give a huge shout out to people that are here hanging out. We got Jose Ferreira, Ferreria, I always think I'm going to get that name wrong. Steve Builds is here, Old Salty is here, who also just joined for basic support. Thank you, sir. And if you want to support the channel, the podcast, whatever... You could do so by YouTube channel members, Patreon, PayPal, and at the $10 tier and higher, you get access to come hang out with myself and the entire 3DM team and all of our fans who lovingly call themselves the D-Gens to uh, just come and hang out and enjoy. So after every podcast, I go into the server, we hang out for a little bit. I've got to do some work on some machines today, so I won't be able to do hang out for more than a couple of hours, but we'll be hanging out for a bit, just chatting and, uh, you know, catching up with everybody. But uh, we also got Duff is here, Thomas is here, the Nocturnist, of course, is here, uh, uh, Thus Ain't the Law is here as well, Amber is here, everybody say hi to Amber, Aaron Liebeck is here, and Build on Sound I see as well. So thank you guys all for showing up and enjoying the show. So let's kind of dive into it, because saying yes is so easy. It is so easy. To just say yes to every single project. Heck, it is easy to say yes to the top whatever files that you find on your favorite website for whatever reason that you might want. It is easy to just say, I want to keep printing. I want to keep printing. I want to keep printing. But if you want to do this anything more than just a hobby, anything more than just a hobby, you got to learn to say no. If your intention is to make money from this, learning to say no will be the difference between you keeping your business and you losing your business. Um, I'm going to use a couple of examples, one of which happened literally earlier this week. And I might read part of it verbatim so you guys can kind of get an idea of what occurred and why. But I think it's important that we discuss that I turned down 
fair bit of money. We're going to talk about how much money I turned down. Um, because I don't believe that the individual that we were looking to work with understands the scope of the project. And I know they don't understand the scope of the project. You're going to find out why. Not going to do a spoiler alert right now. But as a business, and even as a new maker, taking on every single project that you see is a bad idea. Uh, Steve Builds and I put each other's videos in the description. So if you are looking for a stream to watch after ours is done, go watch Steve Builds. Uh, but I sent him uh, this link this morning and he said, yeah, yeah, I have this problem. I should be watching it, your stream. I That's paraphrasing. I know that's not exactly what Steve said, but I know I'm not the only one that suffers from this. Part and parcel of what we do as makers is we make stuff. And I don't want to call more people out by doing this. But I know I'm not the only one that has a bunch of like 80% finished projects because it's good enough or I've just moved the goalpost to where I don't care anymore or it's so far on the back burner that it's not in my current like level of give a damn. And I know I'm not the only one that does this because um, like my focus changes a lot and I want to be clear. I am neurodiverse. If you are neurodiverse, you're like, is he talking about me? I could be. It's okay. What we as makers have to, especially those that are neurodiverse, is learn to weaponize that neurodiversity rather than simply ignoring it, right? If we acknowledge it and we learn to live with it, how do we utilize it as a benefit where often it tends to be a bit of a detractor, right? The whole new shiny object syndrome is a huge problem. And in an industry where you have machinery that just makes stuff for you, it's a totally understandable thing that the new shiny is a big problem for you. That's okay. You just have to learn to be able to control those impulse urges and be able to move, right, in a good direction, a clean one, where you're having more of a dance rather than rolling down a hill. Let me dive a little bit into that because I know that pretty much every beginner maker business will have this exact same mindset. And there are times in my business where we've had this mindset too. I will tell you it is a bad mindset. The mindset is, if the money is there, we don't care. And I will tell you that is a bad idea. And while you might get lucky, there might be some projects that come in, you get lucky, these projects are good, they pay good, there will be one with a problematic client that will make you regret everything that you've done. It'll make you regret taking their money because they've become such a problem for you that firing them is too much of a risk. Heck, learning how to fire customers is an entire podcast on its own. Because there's right ways to do it, there's wrong ways to do it, and then there's the Wendy's Twitter way of doing it. Uh, which I'm totally here for, by the way. Uh, just, you know, you gotta be a little bit sure. But I will say that, as a company, you should not be blaming users for problems. You should not be blaming users when printers catch fire, I, I, or could catch fire, 
I'm not going to call out any company specifically, but I think you all kind of know what's going on right now. But as users, we have to be more vigilant and understand what our responsibility level is as well. We have to take some responsibility in dealing with problems. We have to take some responsibility in saying, if I don't know all the project parameters going into this, I am not going to have a successful outcome. And I think that's often where we tend to abandon projects because the scope of it changed beyond what our level of acceptance was. If our level of acceptance is lower than what the project demands, right there, we have an imbalance and you are likely to put it off to the side. It's something that I do way too often, but I also know when my customers do it. And that's a big deal to understand as a business, but it's even more a big deal to understand as a maker when you hit that limit of I shouldn't be doing this anymore, how to put it down and not forget about it for the next decade. So there have been a lot of products that came across my desk. In fact, I have one right here. There's a project right here. I really should go scan this, but I didn't have a scanner on me. I had a buddy ask me to do something. And so I just used a pencil and took an outline with where the four bolt holes are as well. And I could rebuild this in CAD. I could. I could do it. In fact, I'm probably going to see that individual later tonight. But is it the right move for 3D printing? Well, in their case, we will see. If they can't get the part from the manufacturer, then yes, 3D printing is the right move. But I took that project on without thinking because I wanted to help a friend. And as Bill on Sound says, could you have not taken a photo? I could have, but without a size reference and without knowing how much fisheye is on the camera itself, this is a much more accurate way of doing it. It's old school as hell. Like, it's really freaking old school. But it works, and it works well. So it's something to be aware of. If you do have to do something quick and dirty in the field, that is a great way to do it with a pen or a pencil. You can get all your measurements later. I can do it later today. But when we look at the projects themselves, we have to understand what our limitation is as a maker. And if you say, I can make anything, you're wrong, and that is going to hurt you. It is okay to understand your limitations, because if you don't understand your limitations, you will say yes way more often than you should. It is okay to deny doing a new project, whether that is something that you find on your favorite platform, be it, you know, printables, thangs, uh, maker world, I don't know, Thingiverse, are, are, are people still going to Thingiverse? I don't know. But if you find that new cool project, you can set it into a folder of things that I want to make. And the next time that you're bored, you have time, then you can look at dragging something out of that pit of despair. Rather than starting it, getting like, you know, a percentage of the way through it, and then just outright forgetting about it. Because then that project loses all of its fun for you. We don't want that to happen. Our goal as makers is to make stuff, not to make problems for ourselves, but to actually make things 
that matter. I want everybody here to understand that you will make this mistake. You will say yes when you should say no. You will beat yourself up for it. You will likely not learn from your mistake, and you will likely do it again. That is okay. Because as the saying goes, the beatings will continue until morale improves. And we have to look at that statement and understand that if you don't change your behavior, you will continue to have the same result, right? Doing the same thing and expecting different results is the definition of insanity. I believe that's an Albert Einstein quote. Maybe it was Michael Scott. Who knows? But it's okay. Just know that if you can take one useful bit of information every single time out of a scenario where you said yes and you should have said no, you will be a better maker and more importantly, a better business by the end of it. Case example for me. Case example. I want to build one of those Milos from uh, LDO so bad. I want to build one so freaking bad. I have wanted a really nice CNC mill for a long time. And I have 240 in my garage, which means I could do it. But I've got way more stuff to deal with right now. And I don't want to tell Jason that I want to do another project. He sends me the stuff that I need. And then it sits in my house for almost a year. One, that is woefully inappropriate when you're dealing with sponsors, okay? You should not do that. That is disrespectful to them because they have have an outflow of capital as well. And if you don't have a good way to work with those people, you don't create a good environment. But two, I don't need to be tripping over more crap in my house, okay? Right? I need to finish the Voron Trident. I need to get through the printers that we have in for review and unboxings and all that kind of crap, and then we can look at the next project, right? That is how it needs to run. I have a new shiny problem. I always want to build the latest and greatest machine, and having a nice CNC mill that I can build myself in my shop would be incredibly valuable to me. But there are projects instead that I have taken on where I could do a Milo, we could do two streams a week, do a Milo, but I have another project that came in, I can't discuss it right now, uh, but that is going to be taking up more of my free time. I've got a bunch of free time taking up being literally the only person testing out X1 Plus for the Bamboo offline. I'm the only one of the testing group that's doing it, so I, we just had three hotfix revisions of firmware for me. Uh, because ne the necessity to do things offline complicates the scenario just a little bit. But this is part and parcel of testing and that it needs to be done this way. So I've said yes to a lot of things, mainly because they're important to me, right? Unlocking a bamboo is important to me because I believe that we should have the right to repair. Video on Wednesday, by the way. We're going to do uh, the X1 Plus video this Wednesday. Two weeks after that will be the log video for those of you that are looking for it. Uh, I figure 16 minutes into a podcast is plenty good for us to tease that one. Uh, but I will say 
you have to understand what it looks like from your perspective to be overwhelmed. And if you can determine when and where that overwhelming comes in, you can detect it early, quell it, and be able to put projects aside before you're upset with them so that you can maintain your productivity on the things that matter. Great example. We call it in business delegation, okay? We have a team of people. I don't do everything myself, right? I realize that I suck as a video editor. I am way too particular about myself and the way that I sound on video, the way that I look on video. I'm way too particular about that, so I would be a bad editor for myself. I'm too much of a perfectionist for myself to say, this isn't perfect. I would need to refilm it six times. Instead, I said, from the beginning, we are going to have an editor so that all I need to do is I need to film the video. I need to pass it off to our editor. They need to edit the video. And then I need to review the video before it goes live. That is my process because I recognize that if I was doing all the editing myself, we would have problems. Now, we are debating on going to a weekly stream. I don't know if that's something I can actually commit to. It's a very difficult thing for me to commit to uh, because I often have Wednesday meetings around 6 p.m. We like to kind of stream toward the afternoon, but we will see. When, when we're picking those dates, it's something that I'm going to talk with our Discord about to figure out times and dates where streaming is good. But I want to be certain that when I do projects, I can actually kind of afford the time and effort and energy to do it. So for me, editing videos is hours and hours and hours and hours that I could be delegating to somebody else. And while it does have an expense associated with this, it keeps me from burning out as fast. It's something that everyone has seen from their favorite YouTuber, right? They have a burnout video, right? It's like, it's the popular thing to do a YouTuber burnout video. Or uh, I guess this one was... Uh, this year has been the I'm quitting YouTube videos. And it's because you get burned out. YouTube is constantly moving the goalposts for you. And that means that if you don't find a way to step back a little bit and you're constantly pushing for the best, 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 you burn out and it stops becoming fun. It becomes more of a job than it is fun. And as soon as that happens... All of the magic that you are used to within the videos disappears. So when do you know when to say yes and no? If your immediate reaction is not, I can do this. I know exactly what I'm doing. I can do this. If it is not that immediate reaction... It might be best to tell the person, hey, I'm going to need a couple of ideas. Or, sorry, I'm going to need a little bit of time to dig through this and figure out what is really needed so that I can give you the correct answer. We have started to ask particular questions. These are good questions to ask. Things like, what are roadblocks that you expect us to run into? So what does the client expect us to have an issue with? And what do 
What does the client expect themselves to have issues with? And if we can know those things early, we can work on fixing them, right? Or we can at least work on detecting them before they become a huge issue. Part of making is understanding what your limitations are as a maker. I suck at making circuit boards. And our team, while we have a dedicated circuit boards guy, he is stupid busy. Like, stupid busy. So at this time, we're not accepting jobs that require custom circuit boards. Why? Because it's not easily attainable for our team. And while, yes, we could look at building our team to bolster that side of things, it is not a common enough request that it matters to us, at least to me. So you have to look at it and say, what are you specifically good at? Stay within that margin, okay? Then you can move out of it. But you need to immediately stay within your scope of work. Stay within what your abilities are. Because if you don't and you move outside of your scope of ability, that is when you start to introduce feature creep from your side and that can lead to failures of the project. How many of you have started a project, started to complicate it because, oh, if I'm going to do this, I might as well just add this, okay? Looking at you Voron guys right now. And then the project becomes so complicated to finish that it actually is kind of a pain in the butt. That is the thing that I think people get frustrated about with my Voron. Um, my Trident, the only mod we are doing to it is the Inverted Electronics. Everything else is bone stock. Why? Because I don't want to build a ship of Theseus to begin with. I want to build a relatively stock machine, make my life a little bit easier with the electronics by doing the inverted electronics, and then we can mod the crap out of it. But let's not complicate the build more than we need. I already missed printing parts. I already missed printing the parts for the inverted electronics. They're printed now. We're good. But I missed printing those parts. So that means we had to end the stream early. I had to go and print those parts. And I was frustrated with myself because we... We get more viewers the longer that we stream. And when I cut off at two and a half hours, we haven't really hit our peak of viewers. Our peak of viewers comes right around three to three and a half hours. Um, and so that's normally where I try to start to wind down the stream. I was also in a lot of pain, so it kind of worked out for me, but I would have likely been able to push through it. But see, if I was to complicate this project, it was already a daunting project. So... I don't want to make it more daunting by adding more complexity to the deal. It is easier for me to go to the beginning and say, what do we minimally need to do to make this successful and then do it? That's what's important, at least to me. Duff is asking, before you even get a yes or a no, should you develop an RFQ process that's request for quote or... Would that discourage future clients because of the extra hoops they have to jump through? So that's a fun problem. It will, you should do it and it will deter clients. But I would argue that those are the type of clients that you want to deter. Those are the type of clients that you want to deter. See, if they don't 
want to go through the process of going through what they need and why they need it, that's because they might not know very well. If they don't know it well, then how are you expected to know it? And in turn, how are you expected to succeed? If your clients can't give you the information that you need to succeed, then they're not your clients. Now, if you want to be cheeky, this one's a fun one. If you want to be cheeky, the people that still contact you but don't want to go through the RFQ, send them to the competitor of yours that you don't like because they're just going to waste their time. That's all. Now, I'm not here to tell you to be malicious to your competitors, but that's all fair in love and war as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Brian, welcome to the Discord. Hey, dude, shoot me an email with a screenshot. I think it's in the instructions, and we'll get you into the Discord as soon as we're done streaming. Um, But yeah, I want to... I want to make sure that that happens less often, right? Let me give you an example that happened to me earlier this week. Let me pull up the email because I think it's actually really important for us to talk about it. So this is, this is something that uh, if you're in our discord, you actually know exactly what, what was right. I think I put this in the main discord. Uh, if not, I gave a synopsis in there. But basically, I had a meeting with an individual that needed full CAD services, full 3D printing services, and I quoted around $2,000. The person's body language was so obvious to me that they were uncomfortable that I immediately said, I can tell that that number was way higher than you were expecting and the guy said, yeah, we're actually looking for around $1,000 to do it. I said, well, we cannot help you with that. If you would like, you can go to a different source for your CAD. We are not the cheapest game in town. We're not trying to be the cheapest game in town. If you want to go to Fiverr and pay a lot less to get your CAD done, by all means do it, but you take those risks associated with it. If you want a professional to do it in the time frame that you want it done, then you're going to have to pay the money, right? This is a kitchen appliance company. That's the best way I can describe what they do. They are not a large company. This is not like, you know, Kohler or something like that. And, you know, they're saying no to two grand. It's a, it's a startup company. And uh, they have base CAD models, but they're just skins. They, if I was to print the skins, nothing would fit together. It would just, it would literally just fall apart because there's no way to attach the pieces together. And I get an email saying it, uh, I'll read as much of it verbatim as I can because I don't want to give away the company, saying it was great speaking with you. I'm interested in working with you to produce a hyper-realistic appearance models. Currently, I can afford a budget of $1,000 for this project. Do you think we can make it work for this budget? This is what... And then they go into their request. CAD refinement, rapid prototyping with non-movable parts for one object, but they want the ability to open and close and assemble the model with a PCB, with everything that needs to go into it. There's a display as well. Uh, it would be non-operational, non but they want the ability to install all of that. The second object they want non-functional, but it needs moving parts, and it needs to have a functioning coupler that will allow the object to split into two pieces. 
and they can install some off-the-shelf parts that will make it look a little bit better, but it needs to have all of this, and it needs to be injection-molded ready. My, let me read you my direct response. Unfortunately, we will not be able to meet that budget. It is my recommendation that you seek CAD design elsewhere and bring us some ready-to-print CAD models that suit your needs. At that time, we will definitely be able to fit within your budget, assuming the files are good. That is pretty much dead on how I would want it to be if I was a customer. I want someone to tell me straight to my face if they can or can't do it. I really... Like... Old Grant would have taken that project at a thousand bucks because we could probably still make a profit on it, but it's not enough. It's not enough for us to do as a company, right? We have to look at what makes sense. You might say, Grant, that's a thousand dollars. It is a thousand dollars, but it's probably 10 to 15 hours of somebody's time. It's likely three to four days in 3D printing. And oh yeah, they need it in a month. So all of that works out to be a solution that, while it would be really cool to do it, it doesn't work for me. And I don't want you guys to take on projects that, yeah, okay, the money might sound great, but that's it, you know? Uh, I guess someone's asking about a K1. Okay. It's a podcast. If you want to ask about print fails and all that, we, we have a whole process to submit them. Uh, you can email us. But um, anyways, my goal, my goal here is to focus on what makes you the happiest. Because if you're not happy, you're not going to be doing projects. If you're not enjoying the work that you're doing, you're going to kick it away and not want to do it. And so understanding when to say yes versus when to say no is so important. But it's more important to find the projects that make sense for you and understanding what is good and isn't good for you. If the project isn't a fit, don't do it. Uh, in Wexter's Discord, there's a couple of the members that are building these big RC tanks. Man, I want to do one. I want to do one so bad. I want to do one so freaking bad. But I can't. I don't have the time. And maybe, maybe in the future we can do it. But right now, I can't do it. I have to understand what my limitations are as a person and what my limitations are as a business and what my limitations are as a content creator. While that is a cool project, I would love to do it. I think it would be super cool to bring it to shows and they're huge. They're like one, one 30th or something like that. They're big freaking models. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I want to do it, but I also want to make sure that I spend my time doing things that are valuable uh, and quite frankly, I might go to Florida man on it. So, yeah. Yeah, we have a problem with that. Also, uh, Ty Guy 3D. It is not about ruining a podcast. It is about making sure that I maintain on subject. 
for some reason, we don't have a lot of viewers right now, and I want to maintain on topic as much as I can. Um, and quite frankly, I don't have a K1, so my level of ability to help outside of what normal issues might exist could be quite limited. But yeah, we are looking at doing some sort of a show in the future where there is an ability to call in and ask questions, but we have to get through some of these. Let's go with more, um, more serious videos that we have before we're going to do that. So, yeah. Anyways. It's not about ruining the podcast. It's about, you know, kind of doing it. Maybe my title's bad. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and, okay. He's got, he's got something that I want to bring up. He said, no problem. Just going nuts because I can't make money while it's down. It sucks. That's why if you are utilizing 3D printers for a business, you should have more than one. You should have more than one printer because I will remind people that your printers will only fail when you need them to succeed. When you absolutely need them to function, they will fail every single time. It's like they can feel it. They can feel it. That's life. That's life. And if I knew more words to that song, I would continue quoting the song, but, you know, Sinatra's a good guy. It was Sinatra, right? I think it was. Whatever. But finding that right project is important. If it's not right for you, don't do it. If the project doesn't suit your needs, don't do it. I don't want to see people overextending themselves. It's a very common problem to overextend yourself here in this industry. Everybody does it. Everybody freaking does it. Right? I'm going to be changing the title of this. Let's try how to say no. But it's the same as it's... Yeah... Um, whatever. I'll, uh, I'll leave it. We'll deal with it. I'll deal with it when the show is over. But it is understanding those projects. And if it is something where you're like, well, I could do it if. Remember, if you have to add a modifier to something, I could do it if. I could do it if. I could do it if then you can't do it. It is okay to tell someone that you can't do something. It is okay to no bid a project. Don't ghost them, okay? Do not ghost potential clients. That's a bad move. We don't want to see it happen. Do not ghost potential clients. What is more appropriate is to tell them, I don't believe that we can meet the needs of this project. I'm sorry. We can do this part of it, but... We are not able to do all of it. Let the client know ahead of time what your limitations are, right? It's if you are going into a relationship, right? Let, let, let's go to like just basic human, right? If you're going into a relationship and there's something that someone needs to know, maybe it's 
you have kids, you, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like things that are like that big of a deal that someone needs to know early. Um, you know, you have a criminal record for some reason that might preclude you from doing certain things. Those are important factors that people need to know about. If they understand what your capabilities are, what you're bringing to the table, then they can choose to work with you or not. If they don't want to work with you, that's fine. That is totally fine. But they might choose to say, no, I want to work with you still. Then help me find someone that can do the things that you can't. That's where you now have the latitude to take care of the if. As long as you have the time to do it, of course. Being upfront and honest is the No, that's not technically true. It is the only way that you will be successful without sacrificing your ethics and morals. I understand that a lot of us look at big corporations and we see just blatant violations of human rights. We see blatant violations of just generally not being a jerk to people. And we look at that and say, I would never do that. I will tell you that these companies didn't do this kind of stuff overnight. The ethical goalpost was just moved and moved and moved and moved until X was now acceptable. Y is still not acceptable, but if we keep moving the goalpost a little bit, Y can slowly become acceptable, right? Don't do that. One, it gives everybody in the industry a bad name. Two, you will get caught. And three, unless you have the money, you're going to pay for it, right? Unless you have the money for a good attorney, you're going to have problems. So don't do that. Just, just don't do that, please. One of the big issues with saying yes all the time, while it might sound completely obvious to you, it is overworking yourself and burning out. If you burn out on the products you want to do because of one that you wanted to do but aren't doing, then you've also lost the fun of doing the first project. I am currently in a state of personal burnout when it comes to 3D printing. I barely do any printing for myself anymore. I have not done a personal 3D print in a long time. A lot of it for me has always been about the channel, about the business. And so it's not more, it's not much of a hobby for me anymore. But I've also solved a lot of my own personal problems with 3D printing. It can be solved with 3D printing. You know, things like stuff for camera gear and that kind of thing, right? Where that matters to me. But at the same time, I recognize that all I have to do is find a project that I can sink my teeth into. And I'll get back to doing it for fun. Now, the thing is, for me... If I'm going to do something for fun, I better be doing it on camera because I'm a content creator. Whatever I do is effectively content and it needs to be done on camera. That means that my Voron is going to take me a long time to build because I don't work on it in between streams. I want to. I really want to work on it, but I can't because the stream would get pissed off if all of a sudden they come back and it's assembled and we're ready to print uh, versus being able to follow along with me. So, you know, that's... That's part of the deal. 
understanding how many products you can take on and what that workload looks like is a huge, huge factor, huge factor. And if you can't do it adequately, it is good to step back and say, what are my wants and needs for a project? And if it is outside of that want and need, as far as the scope goes, don't do it. Don't do it. It ain't worth it. It just ain't worth it because you will overwork yourself. You will burn out and you will not want to do it anymore. I would hedge a bet that most of you, when your friends and family found out that you had a 3D printer, asked you to make this, that, the other thing, and 30 other things for them because they believed that a 3D printer is just a magical device that makes parts. And that there's no, you, you take a photo of it and it just 3D prints it. The amount of people that still believe that that's possible, that call me, is absolutely crazy to me. And it's why we are pushing education so hard. This is a big move for us this year. We will be opening an education institution of sorts this year. Um, I don't know to what extent, but we are opening the Making Awesome Academy this year. It will happen because the goal that we need to accomplish here is educating people. Because if people aren't educated, they bring a project to you without understanding the true scope of the work. And because of that, they hurt themselves, they hurt you, and then they get mad at you because of something that's actually not your fault. Now, if you could do some of the work for them, and if you can help them understand the scope of their project by giving them questions that make them say, huh, I'm not sure, then you can start. Then you can start to truly understand what the needs of the project are. Thomas asked, uh, do you ever follow up on requests if you say no to a first-time client's projects? No. If I, if I no-bid a project, that's it. I'm not going to be following up with them because realistically, they're done with me. I'm done with them. We've moved on. If they want to try again for some reason, then yeah, we can do it. We can totally do it. I don't mind. But I will often, it's part of my good nature in that I don't want people to just get a no. Yes, Miss Kitty. Hello. I don't want them to just get a no. I want them to get an education. I want to tell them why, right? I told that individual no, but I gave them a recommendation on how they can get my work in their budget. It is by outsourcing the thing that is expensive. If they can't afford to work with us, that's fine. That's okay. Do not devalue your work because somebody else thinks that you should. That is not how this works. They should be raising their budget to meet you, not you lowering your price to meet their budget. And look, there will be times where cutting a deal is worth it. I just cut a deal on a project. 
this product should have been about a dollar seventy-five to two dollars each part. I gave them a minimum, and I gave them a price a price reduction when they hit the secondary number. They hit the secondary number. I am more than happy to cut them the deal because that means I can set most of the machines in this shop to run a 24-hour cycle and I have their entire project done. And I'll make I'll make a fair bit. Let's just go with I'm making I'm making more than enough. I'm happy with the number. Okay. But if they came back to me and said, could you do it for less? No, no, there is a, there is a low level of where I just won't bother doing parts anymore because the amount of time that it takes to do those parts is no longer worth my effort. Do not lower your price because somebody says you're too expensive. If they say you're too expensive, say no problem. I totally understand. If you would like to, like, we will often say that we're not the cheapest game in town and we are not trying to be. We hire some of the best engineers in the area, we pay above market rates, and we have one of the lowest turnovers of any engineering shop in the area. Why? Because our team respects us, they love working with us, and they want to work with us more. Very few other shops can say the same thing. Does that mean we're more expensive than a lot of the other shops? Hell yeah, it does. Does that mean we provide a quality product at a reasonable time frame? Absolutely. And does it mean that we take your emergencies and make them ours? When we can, 100% we do. That is part of how it goes. It is about a relationship. It is not about lowering your value or having a client lower their expectations. I could have gone through and spoke to this client that you know, we basically said, hey, we can't help you, and detailed what we could do for his budget. It is much safer for me to say, do the CAD somewhere else. Because I know no matter what we have to do with the CAD, it's going to be at least 10 hours. And 10 hours already blew his budget. We're currently 150 an hour for CAD. Uh, but we are considering going up to 200. I just don't know. I don't believe the current market is going to sustain it. But we will see. We're going to try it out on some clients. We'll see if we get pushback. If we do, we give discounts. Welcome to business. It's how that works. <laughs> So when you are new, it is so important, so important for newbies, especially for newbies, to be able to say no. You're going to want to print all the things, and that's okay. But if you don't understand your own limitations, what your printer is capable of doing, and why you're going to have a bad time. The last thing I want to do is see someone brand new to the industry taking on a bunch of projects and their printer fail and they get upset about it. Because what happens is that they go to the community, they ask for help. Maybe they don't get the perfect piece of advice that solves their problem. They get frustrated with the community and then they leave. That's it. That machine will then start to collect dust and they might not ever come back to the community. That is decidedly not what I want to see here. It's not what I want to see. And I know it's not what anybody else wants to see either. So for you newbies out there that are still watching, one, like the video, two, subscribe if you haven't. 
support us if you want. But, but most importantly, understand that you are not an expert. Hell, I'm not even an expert. I have to call myself an expert on the internet because, you know, 15-year veteran 3D printing individual talks about 3D printing in video games versus expert 3D printer reacts to video games. Which one of those are ex expert 3D printer reacts to video games utilizing 3D printing? Which of those videos is going to get more views? Obviously, it's the second one, right? Understand this is a process. And if you understand your limitations and you work to solve them, you will find so much value in this industry, you will wonder why you didn't come into it earlier. Promise you. Promise you. This community is full of amazing people that can do amazing things. But the main thing that a lot of them have, even if it's a minuscule amount, is patience. They have patience and they have an understanding of what works for them and what doesn't. Once you have those two things, you can see where you are deficient, modify, adjust, adapt, and overcome. That is what we want to see. Right? Nobody's perfect. Nobody is perfect. Understanding that you are not perfect, you have flaws, and you have deficiencies. If you understand that, and you can accurately figure out what they are. Congratulations, my friend. You have cracked the code for 3D printing. And it is super awesome when you figure that out. Me personally, I am deficient in my ability to properly finish projects. It is a real challenge for me. It is a huge challenge for me. But I know why I have the challenge. It is because I am so busy doing a myriad of other things that I often forget to finish things. It means that unless we have deadlines for projects, they pretty much never get done. If I have a personal project that I don't put a deadline on, it will never, ever get done. It has precisely a 0% chance of getting done if I don't put a deadline on it. It's why I told myself that I have to start this Voron in 2023. Otherwise, I'm just going to kick the can down the road more. So I did. The last stream of 2023 was starting the Voron. And now we've started building the Voron. You have to set measurable, realistic goals. If you don't do that, you're going to constantly fail to meet your expectations, and that is going to create an environment where you are specifically not happy. And if you're not happy, why would you keep doing something? I mean, look, if you're into that kind of thing, that's fine. We do have a written company policy that we don't kink shame. You do you, homeboy, homegirl, home whatever. But... You have to understand where your personal limitations land. Because if you don't, somebody is going to find it for you, and it is going to cost you dearly. 
Jesus Rosario is asking if I have any advice for someone looking to switch careers with a passion in 3D printing. Well, Jesus, it would depend on what you currently do. So if you can tell me what you currently do, might be able to give you some advice there. Um, because I know a lot of you are going to have this passion. A lot of you want to just go all in, right? You want to just go all in for 3D printing because it's the new shiny thing in your life. Well, guess what? That flame can burn out fast. And let me remind a lot of you that as soon as you start doing something for a living, a lot of that fire and that passion that drove you to do it in the first place becomes a fire and a passion to not die. It becomes a fire and passion to survive, to be able to pay your bills. And so you do things not because you want to, but because you have to. And at that point, that's where burnout starts to set in. Um, I'm going to tell a personal story. This one might come back to bite me in the ass, but oh well. Smurf, 2023. I am interviewing James Bruton. I am interviewing James Bruton, and I am asking him what his favorite project is. James Bruton makes some of the most amazing projects that I've ever seen on YouTube, right? He did the the fully 3D printed spot clone. He's done these Mobius tanks. He's done the ATAT. He's done a lot of other things. And his response to me was whatever gets the most views. That hurt me. That hurt me because I know that that passion is a passion to get views. It's not a passion to make the project. See, his his first instinct was to tell me whatever gets the most views. For me, I love his spot dog. Even though it's an older project, I love it. Because to me, it shows engineering, meeting 3D printing in a meaningful way. It, it was like a kick in the groin. And if you watch my face when he says that, you can just see, oh, my jaw about hit the floor because I wasn't expecting that. And that hurts because I look up to James and the products that he does. I look at it and say, man, I would love to do this kind of stuff. I'm just not smart enough. And for James, it's all about how can I make the next big thing to get views. And while that is a perfectly valid business case, it is a perfectly valid answer. Part of me wishes he would have lied and told me something that was his favorite project. Because that was when I realized that it's not fun for James anymore. At least I don't think it's fun for James anymore. It's a job. And I worry that I do the same thing, that we film videos for views. We don't do it because we want to, right? I know that if I put bamboo in the thumbnail or the title, that video is going to get double the views it normally does. Why? Because apparently people think I'm the bamboo hater. Okay. So if we know this and we don't do it, we are deliberately kneecapping our potential earnings. And as a company, that's a stupid decision. As a professional, 
that isn't just trying to take the easy jabs where they can. We don't always put them in there. Now, I will tell you, this week's Burn Fix Friday is absolutely going to have Bamboo in the thumbnail. It is absolutely going to be about the A1 setting on fire. And it is absolutely, if I can get it in time, going to include a lawyer. But, I have a huge, like, problem when that thing occurs. Because I think James is going to burn out. If he's not already burned out, I think he's going to burn out. Because for him, it's no longer about the journey. It's about the result. And if the projects for you are about the result, it's not a hobby anymore. It's not a passion anymore. It's a job. It's a job. And for a lot of us, as soon as it becomes a job, it's no longer fun. As soon as you do it to make a living out of it, it is no longer fun. I have never taken a paycheck from YouTube. Our money for YouTube basically goes directly to paying our, our, our staff on the YouTube side of things. And I worry that the day that I start taking a paycheck from the YouTube channel is when I really start to hate making videos. I'm very worried about that. Will it happen? No clue. Not a damn clue. Hopefully we get there. I mean, it would be really nice to be able to pay for things. We have Rocky Mountain Rep Rap Fest coming up. I gotta, I booked the hotel. I gotta book the flights. We're probably gonna book a few extra days out in the Denver area. If that is, you know, if you live out in the Denver area and you want to do a meetup or something, let me know. We can try to figure that out. But like, I gotta go find a sponsor for that trip. Someone that's gonna pay us to go out there because otherwise we probably can't do the trip. Um, And... I could easily just turn around and sell my hotel room for what I paid. Because, oh yeah, it's expensive. It's very expensive. And, uh, I have to make sure that I'm not just spending money to go do work. You know what I mean? It's something that, uh, I want people to I want people to make sure that they can avoid at all costs. Because as soon as, as soon as you lose your passion, you lose your, you lose your desire to continue. And that is so, so common in the newbies. Jesse, hey, Jesse, Northcutt. How you doing, dude? Said, Grant, side note, are you aware of the diminished video signal on this cast? Uh, no. It is at the regular bitrate, 5,000 kilobits per second, 1440p, 60 frames a second. This should be fine. You you might be able to refresh the stream. That might help. <laughs> Miguel's asking if I'm going to be at Rocky Mountain. I, I hope so. Uh, we have to... Uh, we have to we have to find a sponsor. It's the only way that we can make trips. Jesus Rosario responds saying, "Currently, I work on aircraft electrical systems. That's kind of cool, but I do have a small online shop. I enjoy fixing printers and designing things to be printed. I'm slightly worried about making 3D printing a job. Well, this is a cool thing. So you've got a good job, especially right now with the 737 Max nines. I bet you've got a lot of work to do." Assuming you work on Boeings. And if you do, I'm sorry. Uh, 
but you've got a good job that pays well, I assume. If you work on airplanes, you generally get paid pretty well. What you can start to do is operate your business at the five to nine. You have a regular nine to five, but between 5 p.m. and 9 a.m., you can be working for yourself. You do a trial run, right? Where you attempt to get to that point where you can pay for expenses and things like that. I never recommend that someone jump all in immediately. It is the easiest way to do it. Let me be clear. It is very difficult to go back and forth between a day job and a night job. But it is the safest way to do it. Because if you don't do it that way and you jump all in and you find out, I can't do this, getting your old job back can be more complicated. Speaking of someone that does do 3D design for a living, Photosman is here. Hey, Photos, how you doing? And Photos, Photos and I have talked plenty of times. Photos is a great individual and we he's been on the podcast. Let me should have him back on. I don't know. What do you think, Photos? Let me know. But... That move to be a full-time designer, full-time 3D modeler, Fotis will tell you and any designer will tell you, it is effing dangerous. It is so dangerous to do that. The likelihood of a problem occurring is incredibly high. The likelihood that at the end of the month, People's money are not going to clear or they don't come back to whatever membership platform that you use because they took all the models and they're gone is so common because they don't respect the designers. They don't respect the art. They don't respect the craft, right? Fotos says it's not just dangerous. It's life-sucking. Exactly. You go from doing something that you're passionate about to doing something that you must do to pay your bills. And so you can't just design when passion strikes. You have to design because it is required for you to survive. It is required for your family to survive. And while, yes, as Tarzman says, it is because people are being bad. It's nothing that's your fault. It's nothing that's Fotis's fault. It's nothing that's your fault, Jesus. It's the people being jerks. That doesn't change the reality of the matter for you. So, if you want to look at transitioning to do 3D printing and 3D designing full-time, I highly recommend that you get an LLC, follow all your local laws where applicable, set up an online shop, Start doing some basic advertising, whether it's in Facebook groups or whatever. Start with local stuff. Hell, you work in the airline industry. Find a way that you can provide parts that help you do your job. I want to be clear with, with aviation. Unless it is an experimental airplane, you must use very specific materials. Ultem, PEI, like the stuff that's on your build plates, is one of the few materials that is certified by the FAA for flight. Your 3D printer can likely not print it. It is a very, very difficult material to print. So don't make parts for the planes. Make parts that help the people that fix the planes, right? You do electrical stuff. So what if you did something that was like a cable comb to help you straighten out wires? What if you made something that helped hold a very specific tool in a very specific spot 
so that you could easily access it. That kind of thing will help you see what works and what doesn't, right? Fotis has some good advice as well. Start free to make a name force first or else you won't do anything. And a Seabass uh, 7897 says you could make jigs and fixtures. Huge market, huge market in the jigs and fixtures industry. Absolutely crazy market in the jigs and fixtures industry. And those are the places where 3D printing can bolster the work that you're currently doing. And then you can try to sell it to your employer who might decide that they want to bring 3D printing in-house and you can be the person that does it. Now, don't be that person without making more money. It's a very good thing there to make sure that if you're going to accept more roles and responsibilities in your day job, make sure you're getting paid more. Because if you're not getting paid more, don't do it. Understand your value. Do not devalue yourself for somebody else. That's BS. Do not do that. But yeah, there are tons of ways that you can look at what you do for a living. Find ways to integrate the technology into it. Present the solution to your current employer and see if they want to buy it from you. Say, these, I make these. I had this problem. I came up with a solution. This is my solution, and I did it all outside of company time. Do not, under any circumstances, do anything for your side hustle during your day job. That is a great way to show big problems in your business. and is a great way for companies to claim shop right. If you don't know what that is, please look it up. I am not an attorney. I am not good at explaining it. The essential idea of it is the business will own a fair portion of that idea because they, you did it on their time. So don't do it on their time. And as Troy J says, uh, he said, Zosh, it's Zach, Z-A-C-K. He always makes sure to correct people. I want to make sure I correct people too. His tour of Diamondback was full of 3D printed jigs and fixtures. Yes. And it has always been like that. Diamondback got into 3D printing before they made 3D printing nozzles. They were so Diamondback is a sister company of a large company called Champion X. They are the largest producers of synthetic diamonds in the world. They're a multi-million dollar company. I would assume multi-billion, but I'm going to just go with multi-million because I can I can confirm it's multi-million. They make tons of diamonds every single year. And these guys are huge at process automation, huge. Six Sigma process automation, just making sure that everything is as efficient as possible. It's pretty cool. And they found that they were using a lot of carbon fiber and they had to change it because they kept wearing through hardened steel nozzles with carbon fiber. They used a lot of carbon starter, hilariously, and it worked. Uh, and the rest is history. They're great guys. They have sponsored the channel. I love talking with them because they always have unique ideas. They always have unique ideas. Oh, I dropped some frames. I'm sorry. Oops. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but yeah. Diamondback is... They're, they're an example of a company that started because of a need one of their engineers had an idea and they said f it let's try it 
lo and behold, it works great. It's pretty cool. Liz is here. Hey, Liz, how you doing? Hope things are good for you. Walked away for like 10 seconds, Tarzman says. Sorry. There's nothing I can do. I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not even logging my pings right now. Because I reset my computer recently. That means I forgot to do it in, uh, uh, I forgot to do it in, what, what the heck? I forget what it's called. Um, command prompt. There it is. Ugh. Sorry, guys. Things are not helpful. Well, oh well. Anyways. Aaron Liebick says, I've been working with my employer to start using 3D printing for mounting brackets and angles. That is good. Make sure you describe to them why. Make sure you describe to them the limitations. Because if you just talk about the benefits and you don't talk about the limitations, when you do run into a potential limitation, they can get real mad. They can get real mad. Uh, when we work with businesses, our first step is to talk about limitations. Um, I worked with a business that, a big, big company that has a bamboo. They do their printing on a bamboo. And they made me sign a non-disclosure and they sent me a bamboo file. I said, I can't open it. I said, why not? I said, because if I open it, I'm violating your non-disclosure. I can't open it. Well, what do you mean? I said, here you go. And they said, oh, okay. Uh, we have to go back to the drawing board on this. I said, okay, no problem. Because bamboo 3MFs don't work in other slicers. Uh, found that out the hard way. Bamboo 3MFs do not work in other slicers. So that's cool. Uh, so I might have to paint everything that we're doing manually inside a Prusa slicer, which is fine. We can do it. But yeah, like dumb stuff like that. I'm like, really? Okay. But yeah, as long as the company that you're working with understands that you have limitations for the technology, you have limitations for the materials, then you're safe. Seabest says not even Orca. I was not approved to use Orca Slicer. So they, they specifically requested Bamboo Studio. And at that point, it would violate the NDA. I requested approval to... This is the kind of company where I have to request certain softwares. Um, so I requested to use Orca. I am waiting to hear back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you have to make sure that you mention both the positives and negatives, right? A big negative with 3D printing, it's not as fast as you think. A big negative of 3D printing is that while it is cheap, it's it's cheap. And you might find that the parts are nowhere near as strong as something that is injection molded. And while you can, you can build parts that are stronger than injection molding, it does take effort on the design side. As Bill on Sound says, it's not a replicator from Star Trek. It's not. It's not an overnight process, or it's not a it's not an immediate process. It's an overnight process, and that is if you're doing it professionally, and if you're lucky, right? Another big thing for three D printing people is not to overpromise and underdeliver. I mean, that's good for any business, but don't overpromise and underdeliver, people. Honestly, like if you think it's going to take you two days, it's almost going to take you a week. Get it done in two days and deliver early. They'll be ecstatic. Although I'd probably deliver closer to four days just to be safe. Um, 
we got a bunch of work recently. I had a client that I told two to three weeks, we have already passed three week mark and we are not done with his project yet. He's upset and he's okay to be upset. Told him, I said, we got really busy. I let him know as soon as we got busy. He said, I really need to get this thing done. I said, I get it. I can only work our team so hard before they start to get mad at me. We will do our best, but there's only so much that I can do. You're going to have to, you know, give me some patience here. And so we came to a mutual understanding, one might say. And that is okay. It's okay. <sighs> I very much don't want to see people failing at this. I want to see the success of a community. I want to see the success of brands. I want to see 3D printing become a more commonplace technique used. But if we don't learn to say no early, then we will not get to those levels that we're trying to get to. As Nathan Chu says, the designer needs to take the manufacturing process into account to get better strength. Amen to that. So where does that leave us, right? Saying no is incredibly important. It is okay to say no. But don't just say no. Give a reason. You are not required to give a reason. I want to be clear. You are not required to give a reason. It is good to do it. It is good practice. It is safer. It is more appropriate and it keeps you from burning bridges. Don't burn bridges, people. Don't burn bridges. I I don't mind being told no. I much prefer if I'm told no and I'm given a reason why. I would hedge a bet that most of you are the same way. So give that same respect to your clients. It's good advice. Photos just says no. It's okay. I love you too, Photos. So if you're a newbie, it's okay to say no. Validating why can be helpful and it can help you better articulate why the no exists. I want to see success. I want to see Jesus do 3D printing full-time. But Jesus has to do 3D printing full-time and his day job full-time before he can understand whether or not 3D printing full-time is appropriate. And remember, you might not be the best person to do the job. You might not be the right solution. Help them kick the can down the road. The My favorite thing when I get to tell people no is I get to help them find yes. And if I can help them find yes, then I can help them succeed in the long term.
Duff says, my favorite is telling a client no when I can point them towards a cheaper, better solution, even when it's giving work away. Yep. I will often do the proverbial shooting myself in the foot because there's a better way to do it. Somebody wanted to mount a camera to a tree. Dude, go get a block of wood. Screw it into the tree. Like, you don't need a 3D printer. Oh, well, yeah, I guess I could do that. Yeah, you could do that. I would charge you like 200 bucks to do this. Go get a scrap piece of wood from your garage because you probably have some in there. Go get some deck screws. Screw the thing to the friggin' tree. Mount the camera to the piece of wood. And move on. You're done. Take your time. That kind of respect is seldom seen. I talked about um, last week the woman who, who I worked with for like four and a half hours right didn't charge her a dime i wanted to help her right and yeah as duff says they will come back with work later or spread the word you hope they become the proverbial disciples of your business if you will you hope that they spread the word you hope they leave a google review even though they pretty much never remember um Be a good person. Be kind to others. Don't be a jerk when you say no. It'll work out. Everything works out. Photo says 200 bucks. Damn, I'm cheap. I figure it would be about an hour to get the CAD because we'd have to, uh, we have to use the diameter of the tree. We'd have to get the mounting plate for the camera to reverse engineer it and build something that can give the user enough mounting points for screws, then have the mounting point for the camera. We'd probably need some heat set inserts to do it properly so the camera doesn't just, you know, rip out of the mount. Um, all of that is, you know, probably an hour in CAD, maybe 50 bucks in the print. So yeah, 200 bucks is a pretty reasonable price for something like that. Is it a reasonable solution? No, there's way better solutions out there for way less money. That's okay. It's okay. Kit says cute shirt. Thanks. You're... Oh, I, I have to find a new printer. I'm so upset with our current printer. I've requested a meeting and they still haven't gotten back to me. It's a small family... It's like, it seems like a small family run company. Because like... When I emailed customer support about the issue, I got a C-suite person replying back to me. So it appears to be a smaller company. We had some issues with the color where it looks very, uh, very blown out, right? The, the color is just, it's just not there. And uh, I was willing to accept a shirt that felt a little more plasticky, like the actual design on it felt a little more plasticky for better color and quality this was the backup printing company and it looks like we might end up going with them bit of a bummer but that's life sometimes so yeah shirts coming soon tm i guess like stream if you haven't by the way helps channel grow we got 72 viewers 34 likes so rookie numbers gotta pump those numbers up um 
Fotus says he's got to go. See you later, Fotus. Thanks for stopping by. Don't be such a stranger. Miss you, buddy. I realize that as we push further and further into content, that the likelihood of me burning out goes up. I've done things like... I'm going to show some of the stuff we're doing. I bought a 360 camera. It's used. It's older. Insta360 X2. So that when we go to conventions, and even when Amber and I go out on other adventures, um, you know, that are somewhat quasi-related to, uh, you know, like if we go to, when we go out to Denver, we'll probably go up into the mountains. Great. Let's take a camera up into the mountains. Well, let's take a 360 camera so that you guys can look at anything that you want. Let's do that. I, I'm even looking at binaural audio. So if you're watching 360 video, you can hear what I hear, how I hear it. Because the microphones go into your ears, basically. Very expensive, by the way. I paid less for this camera than what the binaural audio microphones will do. But those are things that we're looking at doing. Uh, we want to look at doing some sort of like 360 audio so that as you're revolving the image around, you can also get revolving audio with you. But we can stream with this. So we want to do streams at Rocky Mountain and other conventions that where I could just put a camera on a stick and you guys can look wherever you want. I see so much value in that extra ability to come with us to shows. Uh, I picked up a GoPro for cheap so that we can do uh, a little more risky content without losing quality. The Sony cameras have to go into cases and you lose quality inside the case. These GoPros don't. So if we wanted to do like, I don't know, a live stream during a hurricane. <laughs> great. I've got, I've got cameras that can do that now easily. This one can do it too. Um, I want to push for more immersion because if we don't do that, then when we do videos on events, people aren't, people are just seeing what, what we show them. Well, why don't I spend an hour? Take this, walk around the show and stream it. Let people be at the show without having to be at the show. I don't know. We're investing in our ability to do it because I, I like when people take initiatives to say, I want to do something a little bit different. I want to do this differently. I want to specifically do this differently. And I want to do this differently. Joel does his, you know, 60 seconds at, at vendors and all that. That's a great concept. I love it. Prusha does the Prusha live at the events. Nero will inevitably stream. Zombie Hedgehog will inevitably, inevitably stream. But is it immersive? Is it immersive? That's the kind of stuff that I want to do.
but I worry that in my in my challenge to create unique immersive content for you guys that I'm going to burn out. Cause I'll tell you, it's not cheap to buy all this, buying batteries and cases and accessories and all of that. It's not cheap. In fact, it's quite expensive, but if we look at it as a business perspective, if we can get a return on our investment out of it, if we're the only ones doing 360 live stream stuff, it's no problem at all. Nathan says, I'll need good internet. That's fine. All the events that we go to have dedicated Wi-Fi systems for creators. That's That's been something for a while now. They all do it. Because they all recognize that we want to be able to stream and not be interrupted by others. Some events will be better than others, but I'm told the system at Rocky Mountain is really good. So, I don't know, if you know a company that that, that you want to sponsor us to go to Rocky Mountain, let me know. Because uh, we would love to have a sponsor to uh, to go do that. Um, <laughs> Nocturner says, it's not hard to have better internet than grants. That's fair. That's true. That's true. But yeah, like, I, I want to do a podcast episode with my aunt. Um... And I'm debating on doing 360 video for it because she has a she lives in a beautiful home uh, on the water. But I want to we're going to do an episode on breaching the uh, was it breaching the glass ceiling because she did. She broke through a glass ceiling and it's super cool to hear her story uh, and what she has done with her life. Her life is you all will be surprised. I am related to someone this cool. <laughs> But like those, I, I want to do cooler things for you guys. TLDR, I want to do cooler things. Anyways, I'm going to call it here unless there's more that you guys want me to talk about with this subject. Our streams have not been getting good views lately. I don't know why. I'm not as cool as Steve Builds or, or Nero 3D, I guess. Uh, speaking of which, if you do want to go watch Steve Builds, when we are done, Steve will be streaming around 1 o'clock. His latest stream is linked in that description down below. And Steve, I still don't have, still don't have the ability to give away, uh, to give away memberships. I still don't have it. That's ridiculous. Oh, well. Anyways, guys, I will see you all later. Have a good one. This has been episode 172 of the Making Awesome podcast. Stay safe out there. Don't forget to call your loved ones. And as always, keep making awesome. Have a good one.